0: Thank you for listening to the Father Goodrich Sermon Podcast. If you are subscribed, take a moment to subscribe now. We hope these sermons will give you insight and inspiration for wherever you are on your journey of faith. Now, this episode's message. A young woman was very upset about breaking up with her fiancé a week or so before Valentine's Day. So she wrote him this letter. And listen carefully, there may be some humor. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. There is a PS. Congratulations on winning the lottery. In today's lesson from Matthew chapter 5, Jesus shares some words with his followers. Words about who they are to be and what they are to do in the world and for the world. By the way, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 is also known as... The Sermon on the Mount. The most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave. and contains the heart of his very challenging teachings. But in the particular part of Matthew that we have assigned for today, Jesus shares these words with his followers. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And Jesus also says... You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So what exactly is this salt and this light that you and I are supposed to share, along with all Christians, with the world? Hmm. Well, it's the salt and it's the light of love and a particular Christian understanding of love, this Jesus-like love, this selfless love. In the New Testament Greek, this term is used, agape love. And we know that love is central to Christianity because love was center stage in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't just preach about love, He lived a life of love. He died for love. And as we proclaim in the Eucharist on a regular basis, he will return one day again for love. Now all this sounds very noble and wonderful until you actually have to love somebody. Question. Question. Look up. Question. If you would identify yourself as a Christian, raise your hand. Okay? See, the problem for those of us who are Christians, or if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, is that we have to love someone. Who's that? We have to love God. That's the first part of Jesus' big commandment, His great commandment, loving God. But there's another someone we have to love, and that's where a lot of us get into trouble. Who is the other someone we are supposed to love? Our neighbor. That's the second part of Jesus' great commandment. Love neighbor. Dr. David Bartlett, who's a professor of New Testament, comments about the relationship between our love for God and our love for other people. Here's what the professor says. We know we love God because we love others. We know we love others because we love God. And there is no, no love of God without the love of one's neighbor. So you can't say, I love God, but I hate so and so. That does not work in the spiritual math that is the Christian faith, that kind of arithmetic. Though most of us have crunched the numbers of our hearts that way plenty of times. I certainly have. But what was Jesus thinking when he commanded people to love? How can you command someone to love? Doesn't love have to be freely given? Yes, I think so, generally speaking. But Jesus knew, without a commandment in this area, you and I would wimp out. We would make up excuses. I know none of you ever make excuses for anything. But we would say things like, he is such a jerk. She is so annoying. That person injured me. You don't know what they did to me so-and-so if you've ever said words like this say amen amen if you've ever thought words like this say amen amen these words are often flying through our minds but sometimes that actually might not be an excuse some of those words, some of those phrases might not be an excuse. You may have actually been deeply hurt by someone. They may have done something terrible to you. It may be that your personality simply clashes up against another person's personality. You just, When you're with that person, it just doesn't get along well. Or you may have radically different views about life, or whatever. All that may be true, but if you are a Christ follower, you are still called by God to love that or love that group of people. Fill in your blank for your particular heart and mind. Love from a Christian perspective is often primarily a choice, not a feeling. Love from a Christian perspective is often primarily a choice. Not a feeling. Question. Are feelings important? Yes. Yes. And you and I should seek to cultivate good feelings with our friends and our family and people we have connections with in healthy and appropriate ways. you shouldn't ignore difficult feelings. Because difficult feelings are often what? Signals. So pay attention to your feelings. But if you're going to ignore the entire sermon today, if you're off in your own little world, at least please take this one shiny gold toy home with you. Often, in the Christian sense of love, it is often a choice, not a feeling. Choice, not a feeling. Let's say that together. Choice, not a feeling. And it's a choice you and I can only consistently make with God's help. It's only a choice you and I can consistently make by receiving God's love. Without regularly receiving, without regularly having God's love splashing into our hearts, into our minds, our ability to live this Jesus-like love will short-circuit and dry out. Christian love is choosing in each moment, in each decision, whether you're in the classroom, with the other kids in your class, whether you're your workplace, whether you're friends. Christian love is choosing in each moment and each decision to live like Jesus did. True or false statement, you tell me whether it's true or whether it's false. There are many definitions of love in our society. True. Just watch some television tonight. But the Christian definition of love is Jesus. How he lived his life. How he gave his life. That's the definition of love for Christ followers. A lot of us raised our hands, so we started to signed up for that definition. That's our definition for love. For 20 centuries, it's been the definition of love, and it's our standard for love. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I object to that standard because I'm not Jesus. Well, I bet your friends and family figured that out a long time ago. But that's the point. Jesus was and is God's Son. He doesn't need a commandment from God to love. Love naturally flows out from Him to others. In our human nature, is it always our human nature to love other people? No. No. Often our human nature tells us this. Love only the likable, hate the worst, and ignore the rest. Right? My human nature tells me that all the time, every day. But there is a secret, a secret to loving your neighbor. Do you want to, do you want to know what it is? I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. You don't have to like your neighbor. You only have to love them. Liking is optional. Love is required. Liking is optional. Love is required. Let's say that together. Liking is optional. Love is required. What does it take to like somebody? It's often personal chemistry, shared interests, shared values, often similar life stage. That kind of makes us like a person, get along with them, connect. Well, none of that is required for Christian love to operate. You don't need shared values. You don't need shared ethnicity, culture. You don't need the same gender, same sexual identity, same politics. You don't need any of that for Christian love to operate. Zilch. None of it. That's all necessary for liking, perhaps. The only thing necessary for Christian love to operate, this selfless, agape, Jesus-like love, is God's help and your willingness in mind to obey Jesus' commandment to love. That's it maybe also the support of others trying to live that way. I mean, I can't tell you, on a regular basis, perhaps every day, certainly every week, I pray something like this. God, I don't like this person. Put on your imagination helmets. You can't see them, but some of us have them. Some of us struggle with the imagination helmet deal. You know who you are who struggle with your imagination helmet. So what I want you to do, I want you to picture in your mind someone you have a very difficult time getting along with. Someone who you have no patience for. Like this person just like, oh, or maybe this group of people, whatever. Uh, If they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. Okay, just, just straight ahead, just, just straight ahead. But in your mind, picture this person who had a difficult time getting along. Judging by the frowns on some of your faces, I, I imagine you can see that person. Or that group of people, whoever. Well, God loves that person. Jesus died for that person, and Jesus is asking you to love them. They don't have to like them. You totally don't have to like them. You just have to love them. What does that mean? It means by giving them basic courtesy and respect, even if they don't give that to you. It means by loving them by being willing to help them when and if appropriate. Underline the under red head the word if. It means by always speaking about this person or this group of people in the best terms possible. Which may mean saying very little or nothing at all. You're like, man, this is hard. Yes, it is. But we already said we're Christ followers, or at least we're thinking about it. And remember what Jesus says later on in the Sermon on the Mount. The same passage, later on, he says this to his followers. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Contemporary translation, big deal if you love people who love you. Yeah, that's hard to do. No, it's not. Exactly. Jack and Boone agree. It's like, big deal. Yes. Yes. So liking is optional, love is required. Let's say that together. Liking is optional, love is required. Turn to someone and say that one more time. So, that person who always gets you angry, that person who has a different politics, that person who has a different view on gay marriage, Or gun control, or critical race theory. That man who hurt your reputation. That relative, and you know which relative I'm talking about. That former friend who betrayed you. That woman who's always putting you down. That former love interest. That annoying preacher at church whoever they are, and whatever they've done, you are called by God to love them. Loving God and loving others are the marks of the true Christian. They're not called to perfection. There's forgiveness, there's grace. But loving God and loving others are the marks of the true Christian. Loving God and loving others are a way to experience a bit of heaven on earth. Is loving others easy? Now, sometimes it's extremely difficult. But with the help of God and the help we experience from God together, it is possible. So remember, liking is optional. Love is required. Amen. Father Goodrich here. I hope this message blessed you in some way. Remember, faith isn't limited to one hour a week. Faith is about our whole lives, everything we do, every day of the week. So, live well.